Hello and welcome to the Perth De La Prem podcast. This is the World Cup preview live stream. First time we've done a live stream, so it should be good. Today I'm joined by Gareth, who's returning. Michael, is coming back as well, and Ewan. So Ewan, first time on the show. We've got the, the double crawly threat tonight. Um, should be good. We're going to be looking at the World Cup. We're going to have a look at how the league's shaping up um, and, and just get our thoughts on the Cristiano Ronaldo situation. So plenty of talking points there. I'll start with you, Ewan. How you going, mate? Uh, tell us a little bit, bit about yourself, who you support, and uh, how you feeling about the World Cup. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm actually a MK Dons fan, so don't actually support anyone in the Premier League, but do still follow it. And uh, different World Cup, excited for it. Not as much as usual because of the circumstances, but yeah, still still excited. Yeah, it does feel a little bit weird um, having it mid-season as well, having the Premier League stop. Um, you know, usually it'd be at the end of the season when the players have gone through and, and everything's kind of concluded. But really, we don't know how it's all going to play out. What do you reckon, Gareth? Yeah, it's a similar sort of feeling. I feel a bit strange going into it. It's obviously very alien, but I'm sure uh, once it gets started, I'll be getting excited. Yeah, definitely, mate. And uh, Michael, we got the hissing snake back. How are you feeling, mate? How are you feeling about the, the Premier League so far as well? Uh, yeah, I'm feeling uh, okay. Um, it's a good time for a break and I'm ready for the World Cup. Yeah, so uh, as I said, we, we're obviously going to talk about the World Cup. But but first things first, I think we'll, we'll talk about the league and, and see how that's shaping up. Um, the way we'll kind of do this one is I think what we'll do is we'll have a look at the league table, just maybe name some surprises because definitely some surprises there. Um, and then we'll have a look at some of the impressive players and some of the impressive um, um, teams and I suppose some some of the flops as well because I don't know if anyone's been following from the start but we did do a flop or not podcast so it'd be interesting to see if uh, if any of those players have either flopped or maybe they haven't so uh, I'm just going to bring it up on the screen here uh, in just a second so I'll get the world I'll get the league table up so we've got the league table there so looking Arsenal looking pretty sweet at the top there obviously City in second uh, Newcastle maybe exceeding expectations as well. You've got Spurs rounding out the top four. And you've got United creeping up. Liverpool sneaking up as well. I'm sure Michael's happy about that. He's, he's slowly been getting more talkative in our group chats over the last few weeks when Nunes has been banging them in. Um, I'll start with you first, Michael. What are your thoughts on the league so far? How it's panning out? Uh, quite surprising, really. Uh, I knew Newcastle uh, were going to improve this year, but uh, going into the international, um, to the World Cup, I'm... Um, Third place is really surprising. Uh, yeah, they've got invested, but really, Eddie Howe, I didn't think he would take him so far mid-season up to that point. Uh, obviously, I predicted Liverpool to win the league. Um, I'm well off with that, unfortunately. Uh, however, if you told me a month ago that we're up to six with the game at hand and maybe pushing over United soon, I'd probably take that. Um, on the other side of the table, I think we all did this with the pre-season predictions, not for us. Um, they're the team that surprised me. I thought pretty much them and Fulham would trade places as they are at the moment on the league table. Um, yeah, so that, that is pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's good to see people engaging with the chat. Nathan Williams has said here, will Leeds go down? I think it's an interesting one. I reckon I reckon they're a good chance at the moment. Um given some of their form, you know, they, they seem to be okay going forward um, at times, but then they just seem to leak at the back. So I don't know what you reckon, you and you reckon Leeds are going to go down, mate? 
Uh, I definitely think they're in the conversation to go down. They've they've looked slightly better the last few weeks, but I just feel their capitulation is probably not that far away for them. Uh, they said they're good going forward, but I mean defensively they look fragile, and I'm not sold by the American manager personally. Yeah, a lot a lot of people aren't aren't too convinced by him. That's what I was going to ask you next. Really, I mean he he speaks really well in his press conferences, but. You know, maybe maybe just tactically not not quite there. Um, Gareth, any surprises for you so far? For me, it's definitely Newcastle. But yeah, I think like we all said, we expected Newcastle to get better, but for them to be in that position is pretty impressive. I think it just goes to show, though, if you can start winning games, you're going to be a dangerous um, side. And and I know Arsenal are a good team, but the fact that they're sitting five points clear of City and they've been absolutely excellent this season is is pretty impressive considering. And watching their recent documentary and all the struggles they had um, in the seasons gone by, to see them kind of back at the top, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm secretly quite liking it. So, yeah, them, them in Newcastle, my too. Liverpool fan liking Arsenal at the top, eh? Um, you reckon, Gareth, do you reckon they can go the distance? I mean, we kind of spoke on our last pod when I had Josh and Jordan on. Um, you know, everyone seems to think there's going to be some sort of capitulation. They'll, they'll drop off at some point, but I, I don't think they will. I think they're gonna, you know, they're gonna go the distance and really gonna push uh, push City. Um, you know, I think everyone just thinks City are gonna override Arsenal just because of the Haaland and, and the quality we've got. But you know what, Arsenal are looking the goods at the moment. Yeah, look, I think there's a reason why we call you pessimism, Pasaris, because when it comes <laughs> to City, you always think they're gonna lose. Um, I, I think they'll drop off. I think it's only natural to have a bit of a blip. It's just about can they grind out results when they're not playing very well oh, I, I don't know I've still they've, they've, they've done well but I can see them dropping off a bit and yeah I just think City are just if they want to turn it on and when it gets to the crunch they've been there before so whereas a lot of these Arsenal players haven't I think maybe that's the one thing that kind of keeps me somewhat confident although you you know pessimism Pissaris as you already said um you know they've been there before they know it's like claw bigger bigger um I suppose deficits back in the past but yeah, it's going to be interesting because I, I think City have got 16 players at the World Cup, which is the most of any team except for Bayern Munich. So, you know, interesting to see how far some of those players go and, and whether that's going to impact things. I mean, I, looking at the English cohort, I mean, people are expecting them to go pretty far. Um, you know, we've got De Bruyne at Belgium. He's going to probably play every minute. So uh, it'll be interesting to uh, see how it pans out. But um, oh, someone's phone's going off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fulham have impressed me because, you know, we said, like Michael said at the top of the show, Nottingham Forest were one of our, um, you know, predictions to be a surprise team. I thought they'd come up and be on that real bounce with confidence. But um, Fulham have really impressed me. And, you know, I don't think they're going anywhere. So I don't know what you reckon, Ewan. Yeah, they, they have been very impressive, actually. I start of the season, I looked at Fulham and thought, They've got a bad record of going up and down, a bit of a yo-yo team. But the way they've played at the moment, Mitrovic, for one, I was not convinced by. I thought I know he's injured at the moment, but I thought he's obviously very good at championship level, but he's never done it at Premier League level. But this season, he's looked almost world class really when he's played. So I said, if he can get back from injury, assuming that he gets through the World Cup, if he does play, I think they they're looking the goods. I think they they should stay up quite comfortably. Yeah, definitely. And um, just thinking, you know. 
Um, we'll probably move on now about the uh, the relegation places. You kind of said, had someone in the chat, Nathan, I think it was, he said, will Leeds go down? So, Gareth, I'm going to get your three to go down at this point. Who do you think has gone down? Oh, I feel like whatever I say, it seems to go the opposite at the moment. Uh, Wolves, look, Wolves look poor. Um, Southampton, I, I really hope Southampton stay up purely because of Nathan Jones, obviously coming from Luton. The job he did at Luton was absolutely fantastic. So I'd love to see him keep Southampton up, but I don't think it will happen. I think Forrest, um, the last few games have looked a little bit better. Um, so I'm just going to look. I'm going to pick on Bournemouth. I always do it. So I'm going to go Bournemouth are going Bournemouth to go down. They're They've done all right since, um, since the interim managers come in, though. Yeah, um, they have. But, yeah, I, I think they might go down at some point. I mean... Chelsea fans out there, I remember, Gareth, you telling me from one of the first shows that I was copping it from some of your mates about how Chelsea might finish outside the top four. I don't rate them. I just don't rate them. I think they've got a good good set of players. But, you know, looking at their transfer policy, um, you know, it's been really scattergun, I think. You know, Raheem Sterling's not really worked out. Um, you know, Aubameyang, you know, I don't know if that's really a good signing. He's a focal point. But, yeah, just wanted to, to mention that to some of your mates listening, Gareth, because... Uh, I didn't didn't rate Chelsea at the start, and it's kind of proving proving right so far. Um, you and who's your bottom three? Uh, looking at it at the moment, I think Notts Forest. I think they will go down, unfortunately for them, despite the money they spent. I'm I'm the same as Gareth. I think Bournemouth. They have not got enough. I know they got the interim manager. I'll be interested to see who they do go for. I know Bielsa has been talked about. Don't think that will happen, but I think they'll go down. And then, really, I think. You can flip a coin between probably Southampton, Leeds. I think West Ham will be all right. Uh, even Everton, the way they're going, they could. I'd say one of those three will be the last ones to go down. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, West Ham's an interesting one. You mentioned that you and um, you know Moyes has started to come under a little bit of pressure by a West Ham fans saying he's not good enough. Um, you know, obviously they, they had a really, really good couple of years under him after struggling for a little bit. Um, I don't know, West Ham fans, should, do you reckon they should be disappointed, Michael? Yeah, 100%. Um, I had them up near the top of the table. Well, definitely at least going for the Conference League positions, if not Europa. Um, and given the season that they had um, um, last uh, and what they did in Europe, um, they were quite comprehensive, to be honest. Uh, and what are they? Oh, two points off relegation, um, and they can, they can, yeah, they can slip it definitely even further. I think the, they're the one with me with Everton is going to be that fourth team uh, challenging in a, in a bad way to slip into that bottom three. Um, but I don't know who's a more experienced manager. I know Lampard went through it obviously last season, but obviously Moyes got the Premier League pedigree. Um, it's just who's survival of the best, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. And just looking there, I didn't realise how bad Wolves were doing. I mean, they're, they're bottom of the table there. So I'd be interested to see how they sort of come back from it all. So um, I think we'll, we'll quickly just move on um, so we can get back into the World Cup. So, uh, Gareth, I'm going to just get off the top of your head, top three players who have impressed you this season. In the Premier League? You on the... Yeah, Premier League. I mean, the, the, the obvious one is Haaland. I know, because just what he's done has been so spectacular. And I'm going to stick with another obvious one and, and say De Bruyne, because every time I watch De Bruyne, he, I just think he gets better. 
And I know we had the conversation privately about will he be considered one of the best midfielders? And I kind of arced up saying, you know, we can't even compare him to Gerard. But like in terms of his stats, it's he's been quite incredible. Um, the other one as well, I'm going to go with a Liverpool player because I think he's been Liverpool's best player and I think they'd be in a worse position if it wasn't for him. And that was Alisson. I think he's just proved how good he is. And if he, if he doesn't start for Brazil, which I think he will, then there's got to be question marks because Edison is... Yep, definitely. So, and um, yeah, for me, I mean, De Bruyne is probably, I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in my top three. Haaland, definitely. I mean, I think we all knew what a player he was going to be, but even I, and I don't think even he himself probably expected how well he would have started. I think he started to slow down a little bit. Um, Almiron's a good shout as well. I think um, a lot of Arsenal players, Martinelli, he looks such a good player as well. I mean, he's had a lot of injuries, but he, he's getting a bit more consistency in his play this season. He's looking really good. Um, Michael, what do you reckon? Yeah, you just took the word out of my mouth, Amaron. Um, he just won the Prey of the Month. Uh, I think since Grealish fired him up, to be honest, um, he's he's looked unstoppable. Uh, he's banging in the goals, he's getting assists, he's doing all the things right. Um, so if something happens to him, he gets a little injury. I know Egypt might go in the World Cup, but um, uh, if he continues that form, he's uh, definitely a catalyst for them to push into European places. Yeah, definitely. And we've uh, got Josh Cappy. He was on the show last week and the week before. Um, the Italian Stallion, he said Gabriel Jesus. He's another good shout. I think he slowed down a little bit. Maybe he like you know he started like a house on fire and he, he's done this so many times. I've seen it so many times as a City fan. He, he goes through patches where he, where he scores a lot of goals and he looks like you know he's unbeatable and then suddenly he just, he just drops off, which is kind of what's happening now. But he's gotten the World Cup, so good for him. Uh, Ewan, what do you reckon? I agree with most of those choices. Definitely, obviously, Haaland's the obvious one. Bit of a left-field one. But actually, I think Kieran Trippier's been very impressive. I think when you put into perspective, his career was probably at a bit of a crossroads coming back from abroad. Took a bit of a risk going to Newcastle, not really knowing how that would play out. And from what I've seen, week after week, he's putting in solid performances and he looks as if he's locked up a starting spot for England at the World Cup on the back of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he's the perfect player for Newcastle in the situation that they're in right now as well because they need a top-quality player or top-quality players to come in. Um, and, you know, he's he can provide that, I suppose, that leadership and that maybe that stepping stone from them becoming a good side to being a really, really good side once they do get more investment and more success. So that's a really good shout as well. I think, um, I think another one from Newcastle has been Dan Byrne. I don't know what you boys reckon, but Dan Byrne, he's looked really solid since coming from Brighton. Obviously, he's a Newcastle lad as well. Um, he's a really good shout. So, yeah, I think um, the big one's Almiron. And like I said the other week, Jack Grealish is looking a bit more like a dickhead every day. Every goal he scores, all I can see all over Facebook now is um, just Jack Grealish versus Almiron stats. So, not helping himself. Uh, Nathan Williams here said again, he's he's gone Ward Prowse. That's another good shout. Um, you know, kind of one of the more important players at Southampton, even though they are struggling. Um, so, yeah. All right, boys. So the big talking point um, and listeners as well, if anyone is listening out there in the chat, just just put some comments in what you think about this because it's been a big talking point this week is the Cristiano Ronaldo interview. So definitely uh, lots to say on it, but we'll just, uh, we'll, we're meant to have a few mates chip in and a few listeners chip in with some of their uh, their thoughts on this, but they kind of they kind of dogged us here, so I'm a little bit disappointed. But we'll uh, listen to some of the media's thoughts on what's 
what the uh, the Cristiano Ronaldo interview. Well, you've got a fading superstar coming into an environment that was in disarray with a manager that wasn't capable. He's been thinking about this for a while, and then I got a call. I want to do it now. And I think I think part of the timing for him was the World Cup. I'm looking at the situation. I think it has to be that the manager has not gone through with the promises he made when they met. He just does not feel that this manager respects him. Absolutely no chance that he cannot play for Manchester United again. He thinks that from the very start, he has tried to go out of his way to, you know, score points with Ronaldo. Just say now we've terminated the contract and that's that. Any manager in any given situation has got a right to pick and choose who he wants to play with and who he doesn't. If he feels Ronaldo's good enough to be in the side, he'll pick him. Yeah, so uh, the media is all over it. I reckon people are going to be talking about it for the next couple of weeks, um, even with the World Cup going on. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens now. Um, for me, Ronaldo, you know, it's obviously a great player, but at the end of the day, you know, he's he's not what he was. Um, but I also do think, uh, I'll get your thoughts in a sec, Gareth. I just, I think that maybe Ten Hag's try to make a bit of an example of him. Um, you know, he's come into a pretty, pretty tough situation and Ronaldo's probably one of those players who's got a massive ego and, and Ten Hag probably wants to instill more of a team approach. So what do you reckon, Gareth? Because I really don't know what he's trying to achieve with this. Yeah, it's interesting you say there, especially with Ten Hag as well, because obviously I don't like Man United, but I can't help but not like Ten Hag. I just I think the way he has gone about coming in and kind of set the standards, I think he's done so well. And um, look, he might have promised Ronaldo a certain role, but... I feel like that would happen to a lot of players. You probably promise players certain things. It doesn't always happen. Things change. And the fact that Ronaldo has gone and done that is just pathetic. I will take a jive, though, at United, because it's probably the most relevant they've been in the last 10 years. So really, it's a good thing. then the fact that none of their fans could come on and give us 90 seconds of their opinions, yeah, look, pretty pretty poor from them. So... It'll blow over and, and they'll go back to fighting for Europa League. I mean, yeah, you, you said there, Gareth. Like, obviously, no one's guaranteed anything, but Cristiano Ronaldo has been guaranteed football and, and guaranteed in that starting eleven his whole career. Michael, do you reckon he just needs to, to come to terms with accepting maybe this is the beginning of the end of his career? He's winding down. Um, it's not in his nature, but... No, yeah, no, that's 100%. I think this is the first time in his career where uh, the club is bigger than him. Even in being at Real Madrid, he was he was the man, wasn't he? Uh, the, the the goal records, uh, the competition against Messi, who won, who's winning the most Ballon d'Ors, and now seeing Messi probably hit the ground at PSG, where last season he, he wasn't. He had a terrible season. Um, he found it hard to bet in. Um, and now looking at him kicking on and, and making Ronaldo even, in, even more in the shadow, I think. Um, and uh, is it the timing with the Portugal, the World Cup? He, he'd be their main man. Did you see the clip, Mike, uh, where uh, he went into the dressing room and um, Bruno Fernandes uh, pretty much ignored him? Um, I think that speaks volumes to the situation, and I do think his time's done at Manchester United. I did actually see that. Um, I think it was Jao Maria or Jao Maria or something like that. He he kind of came out and said, oh, it was a little bit of a joke. He said something about how, how did you get here, Bruno? I don't know. Whether that's just a cover up, I don't know. Seems like a bit of a coincidence, maybe trying to keep the squad harmony. Um, got Joe Raymond in here, who I, who I work with. He said he um, Ronaldo should have been able to go out on his own terms, given his achievements. Uh, what do you reckon about that, Ewan? Because 
Ten Hag, he, he's got it. Like I say, he's got a tough job. He's going to have to go in there. He's going to have to completely change the atmosphere, completely change the culture. Um, and I feel like you know, if he goes, if Ronaldo goes back in now and he does play for Manchester United, you know, all the players are going to be looking at Ten Hag and lose respect for him now. You know, I don't think there's any coming back from it. Yeah, I, I definitely get the argument that he gets deserves to go on his own terms. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to go out on your own terms, you're not doing it at Man United, are you? Going out on your own terms, he's going to have to drop down. As we spoke about before, he probably does have to accept he's past his best. As good as he was, he is past his best and he probably needs to look at himself and go, yeah, I'm not quite good enough anymore. And if I do want to go out on my own terms, I've got to do it at a lower league. Maybe he's got to go to the MLS or maybe he's got to go back to Sporting Lisbon. I know he tried all he could in the summer to do it, which I think Man United is slightly at fault. He, he did want to leave and they held him to it. So, yeah, it's become a sticky situation. But, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I just I just don't know where it goes from here because he's not going to be getting the types of offers that he, that he wants. I mean, for me, you've got the option of the MLS maybe going back to Portugal. Um, but then there's a whole financial thing there as well. I just I just don't know whether he he's just accepted he's going to leave and maybe his agents have got something going on in the background and, and something's already lined up that we don't know about. Um, it just seems uh, really bizarre. I heard about rumor that it, um, he's already having conversations behind uh, for Bayern Munich. Um, they're looking to sign him in one year. Uh, I know they got rid of Lewandowski and uh, Chupa Martin will of, of ex uh, who did he play for the Premier League side? Um, Stoke was it? Oh, yeah, he, he's uh, he's playing up top for them at the moment. Uh, it, it, obviously, Renato's a better fit for them, but wow, the disarmony I reckon that could cause. Yeah, I just I just think his ego is massive, and you know, maybe ten years ago, Ronaldo, you kind of just take the ego with with the player that he is, but he's just I don't know if he's really going to be able to produce what he what he has done previously. And we saw Messi had a lean season last year, and he's and he's picked up now. He's settled in, but. Oh, it just seems really bizarre. But you know what? The funny thing in all of this, and um, any listeners out there, and I'll, I'll get your thoughts in a sec, Ewan, but some of the stuff he said was was actually kind of true. Like he, he said, you know, whether it's disrespectful or not, he's, you know, nothing's, he said nothing's changed since I was 20 years old and, and first came to Manchester, you know, like the facilities. Um, you know, I think he said something about the tea lady, all those sorts of things. You know, there's definitely some facts in there. And whether he's behaving wrongly or rightly at the moment, um, you know, if if it's true that the club didn't believe him when he's obviously, I think one of the twins passed away, didn't they? So, you know, that's pretty disgraceful for Manchester United. I think it just sums them up. So uh, what do you reckon, Ewan? Yeah, I think that is spot on. He, he does make some good points in it. There's no doubt about that. As you said about with his kid being sick, I think if that is true, that is disgusting. And Man United will probably have something to answer for that. But you look at some of the other stuff he said, the, when he's attacking, um, well, not attacking, but he's... Um, sort of having a go at Wayne Rooney, he's having a go at Gary Neville because of comments they've made in the media. I think he's got to just accept that that's part of their job and not take it personally. But yep. the way he's gone about that, I think, is is not a good look for him. But as, as I said, the, the situation with the board, he definitely holds a good point. They, they can't be doing that if that is indeed true. Yeah, that's right. And and he said the Glazers don't care about the club. And I don't think he's too wrong, to be honest. I mean, I think that's that's showing on field in recent years and the way they kind of just grab the cash and, and don't, you know, they've spent a lot of money. But I mean, Man United, like you said, is just it's just all based on, on commercial. And it's not, you know, I'm, I'm actually starting to wonder whether he actually was wanted at Manchester United um, in the first place. I mean, obviously a great player, but I think a lot of the interest stem from, you know, 
City wanting to sign him because I think he came out and admitted into the, in that interview that City were fairly close to signing him. So that is interesting. And again, just sums up Manchester United off the field in the last couple of years, kind of signing anyone who someone else wants. So, um, yeah, anyways. All right, boys, I, th- I think we'll probably leave it there. Um, listeners, get your thoughts in. Josh has got a good good comment here. I, I don't think past achievements um, give him the right to play when he's out of form. I mean, he hasn't really had much of a sniff, but, um, you know, he didn't do much of a preseason either. So, you know, he's obviously just not match fit either. So he just had to work himself back in and, it's probably hard for someone like him to accept, but, you know, it just is what it is. So uh, let's talk about the World Cup. And we can start with Ronaldo very quickly anyway, because, uh, Gareth, how do you reckon this affects Portugal and Ronaldo at the World Cup? You know, he's only got three goals a season, one non-penalty goal. Yeah, I, I don't actually think it's going to have too much of an effect on Portugal. I think um, they seem to have quite good camaraderie. Whether or not he's fallen out with Bruno, who knows? But I, I, it's a World Cup. They're all professionals. I, I don't even think that it's going to be mentioned. And I think it's probably a good time for the World Cup to happen so it can quickly be forgotten and, and then after it they can deal with that. But I'm, I'm still confident that Portugal will do what they normally do. And even when they don't play well, they seem to grind out results and, and be tough to beat. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what do you reckon as well, Michael, just quickly? About Portugal? Yeah, about Portugal and Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, uh, they've got enough quality. Obviously, um, up top, well, you take him out of the, the lineup. Um, they're also missing, missing Jota, uh, which is, I think, is a big blow for them uh, as a team. Um, I think they're solid defensively. Uh, they're mids, uh, they're workmanlike. Um, and then, obviously, you've got your Brunos in the attacking positions. Uh, you've seen in the, with the Euros when Ronaldo was on the sidelines, um, doesn't matter if he was on the pitch or off the pitch. His uh, leadership skills for his country, um, you can't take that away from him. He won't uh, act in the same manner like he's doing now at United. Um, yeah, this is massive for him and he definitely won't let them down. Yeah, absolutely. A bit like Gareth Bale with Wales as well. You know, they'll give their all for their country. So uh, let's have a look at the groups um, in a second. But but first, just just a quick song, you know. I reckon Gareth's going to be singing this for the next six weeks or so. We're not positive it's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming. Football's coming home. We'll go on getting back. So I'm getting back. So I'm getting back. So, uh, Gareth, is football coming home, mate? Uh, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I'm probably, I'm probably a bit like you with City when it comes to England. I'm very pessimistic, but so are a lot of English people. Um, obviously, the, the Nations League at the start, I, I think we've spoken about it before, I was kind of thinking, oh, it's, you know, it's only the Nations League. Who cares? But considering how bad we were to go into a major tournament and be like, be like that in that form is, is quite worrying. But as I said previously, if we go on and, and win our first couple of games and get through the group with, say, seven, nine points, all of a sudden there's a bit of confidence and you've won a couple of games and and all of a sudden we could potentially be one of the favourites again. So we'll see. Yeah, and um, obviously a lot, of, a lot of question marks around Qatar, human rights, the like, all that sort of stuff. 
Um, Michael, what do you reckon about the World Cup being hosted um, sort of mid-season? I was actually thinking today, because of where it is, um, pretty close to Australia, that we'd, I was thinking, like, oh, I wonder what it'd be like if Australia ever hosted the World Cup. And it'd be the same situation. So I don't think too many people are going to be happy with it. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? I think a lot of English people and, and fans traveling are kind of disappointed about the alcohol situation. It's expensive. <laughs> There's a whole host of issues. I, I just, uh, if it was me and I, I could, I was on holidays or I could afford to go, I just don't know if I'd go. But what do you reckon? Yeah. Well, firstly, they, they took it from us because Australia did bid for it, didn't they? Um, and I think it's definitely corrupt what <laughs> FIFA did to bring it there. Um, they Brown changed packing. the whole, the, yeah, the landscape of it, putting in the middle of the season. Um, but I think the sheer like amount of workers that have died building these stadiums and, and the, there's no care for human life um, and just the way they're just carrying on the, about the football and the money behind it, um, it's, it's quite disgraceful. And, uh, you know, you see um, football fans protesting um, in the stadiums just before the World Cup. Um, and hopefully it turns out to be a good tournament because it's, it's definitely been overshadowed by these issues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, yeah, the fact that people have died trying to build these stadiums. Um, you know, another thing is the Heat English players um, or European players really are going to be going over there from from relatively colder weather and then suddenly going into really intense heat. So that's going to be an interesting one. Um, Ewan, what do you reckon about the World Cup being hosted in Qatar, mate? Oh, same as everyone else, really. It's no secret that it's it's a bit of a shambles, really. I mean, the timing of it is just so wrong. I mean, you grow up your whole life getting the World Cup in that June-July period. It's always an exciting time in between seasons and then to get half a Premier League season and stop and then play a World Cup and then go back to Premier League on Boxing Day. It just it doesn't feel right. And then obviously adding in what you've already said about the cost of what, well, the cost of lives, the cost of what everything is going to be in Qatar. I mean, you see those articles. I mean, the, um, they talk about drinks prices and going to a hotel in Qatar, and it's going to cost you one hundred and forty dollars for a beer. And it's like that's just not, it's not sport, is it? It's they're doing all they can to get as much money as they can from it. Yeah, absolutely. I think Gareth had a good point. As well, he's just yeah, in the chat. I was just, yeah, I was just thinking that then, obviously, because of the heat and everything like that, and being in the middle of the season, it'd be interesting to see if, like, you could work out the amount of injuries at previous World Cups compared to the amount of injuries that are going to happen at this one. Because I just think there's going to be so many big injuries that's then going to have a knock-on effect to these clubs going back and playing in Champions Leagues and and fighting out for titles. So I think that will be interesting to see because I just think there's going to be so many. Yeah. Um, see a comment on the screen there, Joe, back in the chat. Um, rigged as fuck. I agree. Um, I mean, I, I saw something today. I was listening to the English radio station. I talked about, told you guys to listen to that every now and again. And um, there was this video that appeared from somebody in Qatar. And apparently the Qatar, something to do with Qatar in Qatar, maybe the government or something like that, are paying fans to go there and, and make atmosphere. And it was just basically this video or this, this audio um, of these people singing It's Coming Home, and you could clearly tell they were not English. So that's another thing as well. I think they're obviously pretty keen to make it um, a good spectacle, but, I mean, I just don't think it's going to be the same. I feel like some of the games are going to feel a bit soulless as well. Um, you know, it's just a, a totally different ball game and something so unusual to 
to how it's usually run. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. So um, I'm going to pop on the screen right now. I'll just give you, get your boys to have a quick look at the uh, some of the groups. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll just quickly skim through them um, and we'll go and pick maybe our runners-up and our winners for the groups. And then we'll, we'll go through. So Nathan here has just put who's our tip for the World Cup. We'll get to that soon, mate. So make sure you keep listening. Um, and, we'll, and we'll go from there. So uh, just two seconds, get the screen up. All right, so let's have a look here. So we'll start with uh, Group A. So we've got um, Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands. I'm going to go with you first, Michael. Who's your uh, – anyone interesting from that group? Obviously, the hosts are in there. Um, yeah, the hosts are – I don't think they're going to win a game. <laughs> I think Netherlands will top the group. Um, obviously, if money uh, makes it um, – so, uh, but uh, regardless, I think Senegal will finish second. Yeah, I, I saw a couple of people predicting, a couple of journalists predicting they might be a dark horse. I'm, I'm not quite so sure. Obviously, Mane, the standout there, but that's an interesting one. Um, Gareth, what do you reckon, mate? Yeah, same. I think Netherlands will win it. And if Mane's fit, then I think Senegal. But then similar similar to Michael there, I think even if he's not, I still think they'll have enough to go through. And yeah, if Qatar get a point, I'm going to be shocked. <laughs> Shatar. Um, all right, Ewan. Oh, well, it's, it's interesting because you'll talk about Qatar being no hope, but I saw a stat earlier that of the 22 World Cups, 21 times the host have got out of the group. So I think South Africa Ooh. in 2010 is the only one that hasn't. But all that aside, I agree. Netherlands will win and um, Senegal will be runners-up. Statman Crawley there. with the. Uh, in- that was a- I didn't know that. That was a good good little fact there. Um all right, Group B is coming home. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going England to, to get through that group. I think it, the other few or oh, the runner-up spot's going to be interesting. I think Iran's a pretty tough team to beat. USA improving all the time. Uh, Wales, you know, they'll be hard to beat as well. What do you reckon, Michael? Yeah, I think England will go uh, top, and uh, I'm going to go USA. Um, for some reason, uh, to finish just ahead of Wales, but not by much. Oh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a close one. Got some good players. Uh, Gareth? Um, yeah, I think England, we, we should have enough to get through. And and I think Wales. And I think also because I want Wales to get through. I like, if, if England aren't going to win it, it's probably not many English people would agree. But I, if England weren't going to win the World Cup, I'd want Wales to win it because I know they're from the United Kingdom. We lost him. Am I the only one left? Oh, did you lose me or did I lose no. you? I think we lost you. Yeah. Oh, shit. All right. Thanks, you Grove Internet's not good. So um, I know you were just saying there, last thing I heard was something about Wales and maybe being like um, England's second team almost in this case. Um, so, yeah, we're going England-Wales for you, Gareth. Um, yep. And then you and who are you going? Uh, first of all, I completely disagree with that comment about Wales. I don't want them to do well at all. Oof. But um, but I'm actually the same. I think England will win the group, and I do actually think Wales will be runners up. And I can just about guarantee when England play them, England will not beat them because it's just one of those games that England will not win. 
What have you got against Wales? Oh, I don't know. There's, I know that they, they haven't been in many tournaments. The way they carried on after getting to the semis of the uh, Euros a few years ago, which is probably understandable, seeing as it hadn't been in the tournament for 40 or 50 years. But, I mean, it's just not... I don't know get why English people would want to support the other uh, nations in the United Kingdom, really. Oof, you heard it here first. All right, um, and then we'll go to Group C just very quickly. Uh, I'm going Argentina and Poland. I think Lewandowski will, will get Poland through. Um, Messi get Argentina through as well. Obviously, they've got a good squad. A lot of people are saying they hope Messi win, wins it. I don't know if they're going to win the tournament, but uh, what do you reckon, Michael? Yeah, I predict exactly the same as you. Uh, I think they're going to go at least into the semis. Um, Argentina um, and I think Poland uh, with enough uh, pedigree um, in European uh, Euros and that, um, they'll get through. Yep. Okay. And Gareth? Um, yeah, I agree with Argentina. I think they'll win it. I don't agree with Poland, though. I just, I don't know. I don't really fancy them. I think Mexico will go through as the runners-up. Carlos Vela. Um, yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, Ewan? I'm the same as you. I think Argentina will win the group and I think Poland will be runners-up. Yep, okay. Oh, I don't even know if I want to talk about Group D. Australia, just absolutely horrendous. Um, not going to do that well. I'd be surprised if we pick up a point. I reckon Qatar will get more points than us. Um, Michael, what do you reckon, mate? I'm going France and probably Denmark. Probably, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's going to have much of a shout. No, I, I'd lock them in too. I think Australia has France the first game. And they'll definitely set the tone for the group for us. Um, 6-0. Yeah, and then uh, I think the wheels will fall off, so Denmark will sneak into second. Sneak into second, eh? Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I think I'd rather one leg Mark Viduka, Mark Swartzer, and just bring out Harry Kuehl and, and Tim Cahill, throw him in the box. I reckon we've got more chance then. Um, what do you reckon, Gareth? Yeah, it doesn't look good for Australia. I think it's probably the worst team Australia have probably sent to a World Cup. And yep. um, yeah, it, I'm gonna. I think France goal difference because I actually I think Denmark. I think it's gonna. I think France will finish on seven points. I think Denmark will finish on seven points. So I think in the group stage, did Denmark win? I think they won nine out of ten. So I think they yeah, I think that's right. 20, 27 points out of a possible 30. So they're a very, very good side. And I was looking at their five players to watch and they're all very, very experienced. So I think they'll be a good side and I could see them getting a point against France. So yeah, France top, goal difference and Denmark second. And and just on that as well, um, I don't know if you guys know too much about him, but Nkunku, um, Leipzig player, pretty, you know, he's got a pretty decent goal return actually lately in the last couple of seasons. He's been ruled out of the World Cup now for France. Mm-hmm. Pogba, we all know he's a bit of a shambles at Man United, but he's undoubtedly a good player. Does well for France. He's out as well. He's got a couple of injuries. Um, what do you reckon, Ewan? Uh, I think France, you're right. They have some some key injuries, but the depth they've got is scary, isn't it? Um, and I think they'll still top the group. Denmark, a very underrated team, actually. Um, they'll be second and a bit controversial, but I think Australia will actually beat Tunisia. They'll It'll give the Australians a bit of joy and uh, they'll finish third in the group and Tunisia will be bottom on zero points. Cool. Got more faith than I do. Um, okay, let's just move on to Group E. I'm going uh, I'm going Spain and Germany here. I reckon Germany probably top the group. Not as strong as they have been in recent years, but um, Spain are probably the same, I suppose. They've got quite a young squad there. Saw some big omissions. Uh, well, I mean, Sergio Ramos probably hasn't played for him for a while, but obviously Laporte switched now as well, so that's a big one for them. 
Um, Tiago's not there. I think there's a couple of other players that might be missing. So uh, what do you reckon, Michael? Yeah, Germany to top it. Uh, I think Spain will finish comfortably second. Uh, however, Japan are usually quite active um, in these little group stages, and I think they'll take a couple of, a point of lease off uh, Germany or Spain. Yeah, and um, Gareth as well? Yeah, a really interesting group. I, I fancy one of the bigger teams to not make it through. And I think Ewan will probably be able to back me up better here on, on what the actual stats were. But Costa Rica's an interesting one because they were in England's group, I think. Was it not the last World Cup or the one before? And yeah, they, they dominated. They topped, they they topped the group. So, and then even Japan as well. That like They've got some okay players. I reckon, I, I think Spain are going to bow out. Um, Germany, Germany to top the group, and Costa Rica sneak in second, and Spain go out. That would be. I'd love to see the Spanish go out early. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> Spanish. Yeah, Michael. He's um he's in the brigade. You know, he's uh protesting for Thiago, the greatest midfielder the Premier League's ever seen, to to be in the Spain squad. So uh, yeah. Now nah, you're probably right. I mean, look. Looking at this now, it looks fairly black and white. I'm just looking at the rest of the groups, and it, and it looks fairly like looks like the the talent or the sort of the better teams rather are kind of all spread out. Um, but as you know, I mean, you spoke about Costa Rica there. There's always a surprise that kind of comes in. I mean, I remember Costa Rica, yeah, the other year when when they're in England's group, surprised absolutely everyone. Who I don't know if you boys remember that Arsenal player who's a winger, but he just he just lit up. I can't remember his name. His name escapes me now, but. Um, Joel Campbell or something like that. I don't know if yeah, that rings a bell, but, but he ripped it up. Yeah. Um, all right. And then Ewan as well, just quickly going the same? Or? Yeah, well, took the words out of, out of my mouth, Gareth. I was going to say the exact same thing about Costa Rica. Obviously, they were in a very similar situation in 2014 when they had England, Italy, and Uruguay, and everyone gave them absolutely yeah. no chance. Uh, but this time around, I can't see it. Um, Germany to top it and yeah, Spain to be second. Okay, and then uh, we've got the finalists from the last World Cup runners-up, Croatia, um, Belgium in here. I, I get your thoughts in a second, Michael, but do you reckon Belgium's kind of lost? They've had that golden generation, De Bruyne, Lukaku, you know, Vertonghen, Odewild, um, Vermaelen, all these defenders, company, um, you know, they've had that golden generation. They kind of missed their chance now to win that real big tournament and push on as a national side. Yeah, uh, what are they ranked? I think they're still up there. Um, in the, yeah, well, at least, yeah, um, arguably even. Yeah, well, I think the form De Bruyne is in at the moment. Um, he can nearly win a game by himself. Uh, however, um, yeah, they've definitely moved past Axel Witzel, like players like that. I, I think um, very underrated what they did do. Um, I think they'll get through. I think Croatia will get through as well. I can't see Canada or Morocco really challenging them um, to progress. But uh, I think it nearly stops there for them. Yep. Okay, definitely. I mean, Canada and Morocco got some some decent players, but I just think, yeah, Croatia and Belgium as well probably got, got too much for them. Uh, what do you reckon, Gareth? Um, yeah, probably bitter because they obviously knocked us out in the semi-final. But I think Croatia are, are ageing and they look quite slow and, and look quite poor. Yep. Um, Belgium, Belgium will top the group. And I think... Every single time we come to a major tournament, I go, oh, yeah, Lukaku's going to be top goal scorer. And I'm, I'm almost doing it again here, um, purely because of the De Bruyne factor. Um, Canada, I, I think uh, Afonso Davies is is injured, so they could struggle. 
Um, so I'll go Belgium top and, yeah, purely out of bitterness, I'm going to say Morocco are going to sneak in second in Croatia. <laughs> See you later. Oof, the ageing Croatians. Okay. Um, and just actually, just had a look at the, the World Cup, or sorry, the World Rankings. It looks like Australia is ranked higher than Norway, who've got, got Haaland and Odegaard. So I don't know how much I, I take on that one there with, with Belgium. Um, Ewan, just quickly as well. Yeah, I think it's fair with Belgium. I think they, this probably is their last roll of the dice, isn't it? And definitely Croatia are actually very similar. It's very aging. You look at, they sort of had a golden generation of Modric, Mandzukic, Rakitic, all those types. And they're all they're all to the end now, aren't they? But I think those two will get through, but they won't do it easily. I think it could come down to goal difference, especially for Croatia sneaking in as that runners-up and Belgium to top it, but they they won't be perfect. Yeah, I think Morocco, definitely a sneaky chance. Still got a couple of good players, like Ziyech, for example. Um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, this one's probably a bit more of a balanced group. Probably the last two are, really. Um, I'm going Brazil, and then, really, it's kind of hard. I mean, Switzerland's got a decent side. Um, I'd say Serbia's not too bad either, and then we don't really know about Cameroon too much, but I reckon that, that those first three, it could kind of go either way, but I think Brazil's going to top, and then whoever finishes second, it's kind of going to be a bit of a fight there. So uh, I'm probably going to stick with – I'm going to go Brazil and Switzerland. What do you reckon, uh, Michael? Yeah, no, I, I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, Brazil comfortably finished top. Uh, the, the other three, I think you can raffle off. Uh, I think maybe, maybe uh, Serbia for me. Uh, I, I think Cameroon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they've got just a little bit more than the likes of, say, Cameroon. Um, and I think Switzerland can't rely on Shakiri uh, again <laughs> to do everything um, from the set piece. Um, so I think, yeah, those two are going to progress. Yep, okay. Uh, what about you, Gareth? Yeah, I think Brazil are going to cruise through this group. They just look like they've got so much quality. Um, I'll go Switzerland as well. I think they're similar to Denmark. They've been a, they're, they're a good team and they could easily do okay in this tournament, get through and maybe surprise someone in the next round as well. So we'll wait and see. Yeah, okay. And last one, Ewan. Yeah, I'm the same. I think Brazil top it. But I actually think Serbia finished second. Um, yep. I know the Mitrovic injury is a little bit of a cloud. I think it'll be all right. But I look at some of the, looked at their squad early and they've still got Dusan Tadic. He's probably slightly past his best, but he's still a good player. Milinkovic, Savic is a world-class central midfield player and then also that Vlahovic is a, yeah. a good attacker so I think squad-wise I think they're the second best team in the group and I'm, to be honest I'm backing them to be runners-up okay interesting so boys going with uh Serbia um all right last one here so Portugal Ronaldo's Portugal I'm going them to go through um probably Uruguay is an interesting one because yeah. I had that really I mean they're kind of at the back end now of the Su- Suarez and Cavani sort of era sort of having them, uh, carrying them, I suppose, as well. And lots of their probably more prominent players are kind of on the way out, sort of in transition. Um, Korea Republic, obviously, Sun Hyun Min, good player there. Ghana, Thomas Partey. Um, this one's a tough one to call, I reckon. Uh, what do you reckon, Michael? Yeah, I, I think it's easier than you think. I could be well wrong. Uh, I think Portugal will finish top. Uh, I'm going to predict Uruguay to progress through. Um, I think, like even like in the midfield, Valverde from Real Madrid, um, yeah. there's enough quality to carry him like that. 
the Korean Republic, I think, or Song Kyo Min is uh, coming back from a little bit of a knock, a bit of an injury. Um, aside from him, I don't think they have too much more. Um, obviously, uh, you've got Nunez, who's actually hit a bit of form in the Premier League for Liverpool as well. So, um, and then you obviously got the experience of Suarez and he'll, he'll bite his way to absolutely anything for the team. Okay, good, good. And uh, Gareth? Yeah, Portugal top and then, yeah, take your pick really. I think it's a bit of a lottery pick. Um, I, yeah, probably Uruguay. I think they've just got a little bit more than the other teams going forward. Obviously, Son is world class, but yeah, he's coming yeah, back. About it. Yeah, we'll wait yep. and see. Yep. Okay. And uh, you and last one. Same. Portugal to top it, and then Uruguay. They always seem to do well at the World Cup. So yeah, Uruguay will be runners up. Yeah, probably just got that that little bit extra, like you say, um, than the other teams there. So we've gone with yeah, Senegal, Netherlands, England, um, USA or Wales, Argentina. Gareth said Mexico. We said some of us said Poland. Going France and and Denmark, Spain, Germany, Belgium, Croatia. Uh, Brazil, Switzerland, and Portugal, Uruguay. So it'd be pretty juicy uh, knockout stages there. So um, what we're going to do now, boys, is uh, we're going to do the hard one. We're going to pick the England 11 for the first game. So uh, we're relying on the two Crawleys here. Um, you know, I think we could do an Australian one, but to be honest, I'm not even interested in that. That's that's just going to be horrid. I don't really care who plays. We're gonna, so The result's going to be the same. Um, so a couple of questions about England really quickly. Um, Gareth, can they win the tournament, do you think? We kind of spoke about it before, but do you think they're actually a serious chance or is Southgate just not good enough? Ah, oh, yeah. I, look, I like Southgate as in what he's done for England. And I know people go, oh, you know, they need to get rid of him. He's negative and stuff like that. But to get us to a semi-final and obviously a final is brilliant. It's, it's unfortunate we couldn't get over the line. But that final against Italy, you go one nil up and then just try and sit back for 85 minutes or whatever it was. It's just frustrating. So if we come up against the Brazil, for example, and somehow go one nil up, I just yeah, uh, I can't I can't see us winning it. But you know, it's it's just on your day, isn't it? You just never know. We've, we've got the quality, but it's just that mental kind of thing. I think we need to get over. Uh, just got some live footage of the England fans in uh, in Qatar. Gareth's favourite tune there. Um, Ewan, what do you reckon, mate? Because I reckon there's a lot of question marks around the, the England defence. I think if he plays a three, for me, John Stones has got to start. I think Harry Maguire's got to start, but... A lot of people getting on his back because of his Manchester United performances. Um, and then it's kind of a toss-up, really. I mean, got some, um, obviously got Connor Cody in the squad. I don't think he starts for me. Probably probably Kyle Walker, but, but you know, he's been injured for quite a while now. So uh, what do you reckon about England's defence? Uh, I'm the same as you. I'm, I'm actually a big, despite the uh, criticism he gets, I'm a big Harry Maguire fan, actually, especially when he puts on an England shirt. I've, he's never put a foot wrong for England. He's very good at major tournaments as he has been at the last world cup and the euros so for me despite his form he starts for me and as you spoke about i think it'd be interesting whether they do go a three slash five or they go a four if they do go that three slash five i think it is same as 2018 it's Maguire, stones and walker 
but I'm just not convinced that that three slash five holds up in the latter stages of the tournament. No. So when they when they need something else, it's just a bit too defensive, and it doesn't give them that extra attacking threat. Yeah, look, if it was me, I'd be going a four, but I just don't think Southgate's probably going to go with the with anything different other than a three three slash five, like you say. Um, he just doesn't seem to, for whatever reason, trust that either it's the defence or I don't know. But, I mean, looking at England's midfield and, and sort of forward options, you've got so many options there. I think, you know, if you played a four, say Walker, Stones, Maguire, Luke Shaw, even, I mean, I'd probably I'd probably take Chilwell, but obviously he's injured. Um, and then you play, like, say, Bellingham, you play Rice. I mean, Phillips would probably be there if he, if he wasn't just coming back for an injury. Maybe Mason Mount, I'm not sure. Gareth spoke about Phil Foden being in there at some point as well. Um, you know, I just feel like you get so much more out of that squad. So I don't know, Michael, as an outsider, what do you, what do you reckon? What do you reckon you should go with? Well, going, just going back to the Maguire point for a bit, um, I think the difference is, yeah, I agree, he plays well for England. But I think the difference is he hasn't had any consistent football leading up to this major tournament, which he's had in the past. So I, I, I don't know how he's just going to hit the ground running. I'd be a bit uh, concerned, to be honest. Um, I think Bellingham has hit the right age. Um, was he 19 still, though? But uh, he's, he's definitely um, had a lot of experience in Europe now at Dortmund. Um, him uh, with Rice holding the midfield um, can set a bit of a platform. Uh, Foden as well has come of age. Um, so they've definitely got some attacking talents. And um, Harry Kane, um, he will score plenty of goals. And I think he'll link up very well with Foden. Yeah, no, good point there. So Nathan's put in the chat, um, you know, Golden Boot winner. Gareth, is he going to win the Golden Boot? Because I, I just forgot that he actually won the Golden Boot in the last tournament. Yeah, I was looking through, and obviously I know I mentioned Lukaku before, but then I was like, look to England's group, I'm like, Harry Kane really should probably be a favourite to win the Golden Boot. Like, you look at England's group, no disrespect to who we've got, and it could quite easily come back and bite me up the arse, but we should be beating all three of those teams. And, you know, Harry Kane, he's always in the right place at the right moment. He takes penalties. So, yeah, uh, he's my tip to win the Golden Boot. Yeah, I think you, in terms of Golden Boot, if you're putting the bet on it, you're probably going to look at those players who are taking the penalties for their team. And obviously, Harry Kane's going to be taking it if he's on the pitch, which I don't think he's he's going to miss a minute as long as he's fit. Um, all right. So, I reckon what we do now is, yeah, like I said, we're going to go through. We'll do the, pick the England 11 for the first game. So, uh I'm going to ask you, Ewan, we'll try to come and decide on a system. We're going to go, if it was, I don't know, whether you want to do it, if you think it's Southgate um, picking the team from Southgate's perspective, sorry, or if you want to do it from your perspective, I'll let you choose. So do you want to, what formation you want to set up with? Uh, from my perspective, the formation I'd love to see England play is a 4 2 3 one 4 2 3 one okay. What do you reckon, Gareth? Yeah, I, I, would, I would like to see... And play similar four two three one even a stock standard kind of almost four four two something different from that three slash five at the back. The only thing is, I just think looking at Southgate, once we get a team of a higher quality, we we're going to revert back to that kind of three or five at the back. So I I I personally think we're going to play stick with that five at the back. It's we've done well with it. I would love to see us play 4-2-3-1 or even, yeah, 4-4-2 four, because four, we're playing against not-so-big teams. Um, so I'm happy to go with that formation, but realistically, I think it'll more likely be the five at the back. 
All right. Um, okay, we'll we'll go with the four. So uh, we'll start in goal. Who are you going to go with, Michael? If you're an English fan, who do you want in goal? Got Ramsdale, uh, Pope, and oh, Pickford. The other one that's good. Oh, that's Pickford. Pickford. Of course. Yep. Yeah, I think I think it's short on Pickford being goals. Right, agree with that, Gareth. It's Pickford. Oh, it's Pickford uh, by the length of the Flemington straight. He is and it's similar, similar to your similar, similar to your Harry Maguire. Has not put a foot wrong for England. Um, I still remember the save he made against Colombia in extra time, which was probably one of the greatest saves I think I've ever seen. So, yeah, he's our number one for the whole tournament. Okay. Uh, same with you, Ewan? Yeah, no argument from me. Pickford all day. Okay. Uh, listeners as well, feel free to comment your thoughts. I mean, even if you're Aussie, I feel like picking an England team is more interesting than talking about Australia's World Cup chances. Um, all right, right back. Uh, if it was me, maybe maybe a bit of bias here, but I'm probably going. I'm going Carl Walker. Um, James is out. Doesn't seem to trust Trent Trippier. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays on the left, um, as he has done. I, I wouldn't. If it was me, I wouldn't like him there. Um, but I'm going Carl Walker. What do you reckon, Michael? Uh, do we have to stick to that formation? Because I really think he's going to play the three. Uh centre-halves at the back with Shaw and then Trippier either side, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, if I'm sticking to the four at the... Yeah, if I'm sticking to the four at the back, um, I would put Trippier because I don't think he's picking Tran. Um, and then um, I, th- I think... Uh, I, don't, I don't think he can play the Manchester right back either um, for the entirety of the, the campaign. I don't think his body will hold up. Okay. Uh, what do you reckon, Ewan? I really like Carl Walker, but after his injury, for me, it's got to be Kieran Trippier. I've loved what he's done in the league, and I think he deserves it. Another one who hasn't really let England down, so yeah, Trippier for me. Okay. And Gareth, what do you reckon then? Well, let's be honest. If we get our wish and we get four at the back, you can guarantee that it will come at a cost with having Walker at right back and then Trippier at left back because they're his two most trusted fullbacks like what he did before in that first game. Um, I, I, I want to see um, Trippier at right back because Walker, I just don't know how he's going to hold up um, with Shaw at left back. But if I'm if we're getting the four at the back, I think it will be Walker right back, Trippier left back. Okay, so we'll go, we'll just stick with Walker for now. Um, all right, centre-half. For me, it's really, there's not really much competition it's got to be John Stones. I think he's really undervalued by a lot of fans. Obviously, top, top player. Um, done pretty well at Man City, all things considered. He was going to get sold at one point. Um, who are you going with, Michael? Who would you have? Yeah, um, him partnering Maguire for sure. Yep, yep, definitely can't disagree. I mean, looking at these players like Pickford and Maguire, they cop a lot of flack from their their fans of the clubs or maybe, maybe other fans as well, but... You know they're not playing in maybe the best teams as well. I I don't know. I think maybe they just they just cop it unfairly sometimes. What do you reckon, Gareth? Yeah, Stones and Maguire for me. If we've got to, um, yeah, it's interesting though because I had this conversation before. And I said if you start Maguire, then we have to start Kyle Walker, because um, I think Kyle Walker helps Maguire a lot with his pace. So, but I think yeah. for me, yes, yeah, Stones, Stones and Maguire. Okay, uh, you and you go on the same, mate. Yeah, Stones and Maguire, done it before, trust each other. There's no better options, I'm afraid, those two. Yeah, absolutely. I just, it's interesting. I don't know why 
someone like Tamori wasn't in the squad. Saw Chris Smalling's wife come out and have a bit of a cry that he wasn't in. I don't necessarily agree with that. He's had his moment. Um, he's probably passed it now. He's done well, obviously, in Syria, but I don't think he should be in there. But I think Tamori could have been a good shout. I'm just looking at the depth here. Really, it's only Connor Cody. I mean, Eric Dyer. I don't, I don't rate him. Uh, ben White, good player, versatile. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like Tamori should have been at least um, in here. At, uh, I don't know, somewhere in the squad. Uh, what are we going for left back, Michael? Uh, I'm going to go for sure. Uh, more natural on that side. Um, however, Gareth is uh, pointing out Trippier. He does watch a lot more England um, football than me um, nationally. So, um, But I'll stick with Shaw. I'd probably go with Shaw just for that left footer on the left kind of thing. I don't like when Cancelo plays, although he's pretty good. I don't like when Cancelo plays for City playing you know, right back at left back. What do you reckon, Gareth? You, you kind of said Trippier before. You think he's going to go that way? Like, is that who you want? Or do you want? would you rather Shaw being left footer? I, I want Shawberto Carlos. I think he's another one. Chuck on and he's he's been quality. Um, so I, I want Shaw, but at England you get boring. So I think I personally think if if it's Walker at right back, it will be Trippier at left back. But I, I want Luke Shaw. Okay, and you and what do you reckon? I'm sure as well. I think um, Gareth said in one of the previous podcasts about Luke Shaw. If England had won the Euros, he I think he probably would have been player of the tournament which is unusual for a left-back. So, yeah, based off that, I know he's not quite got to those levels for Man United, but, yeah, sure for me at left-back. Yeah, I'd definitely go sure as well. He had a great tournament, didn't he? Um, unfortunately, dropped off a little bit. Uh, so, if we're going 4-2-3-1, so we've got two, two, and then, so you've got, sorry, a three in midfield. Um, I'd say you'd probably have two sitters or maybe, maybe a number eight, um, and then you've got a number 10. So, who are we going for the two number eights, Michael? I'm going, uh, I I'm think, going yeah, I, I think and a true number um, just ahead, um, double pivot. I think Rice would have to be in there. Um, if he has to play a 4 2 3 1, um, is Phillips injured for City at the moment, Mike? Or? Yeah, he only he's only just come back. He played um, yeah. 45 minutes, I think, the other day. Um, but he's, yeah, he, I, I don't know. Yeah. He had a shoulder injury. So whether that's, you know, it's above the waist. I don't know whether that, that that's maybe a good thing. Yeah, um, I think he's more uh, the, the natural partner to partner alongside uh, Rice in the midfield. But uh, if you take him out of the equation, I think Bellingham has to be on the pitch because I think Foden will be in the 10. Yeah, no, hopefully Bellingham's on his way to City. We can ruin football some more. Uh, Gareth, what do you reckon, mate? Um, well, Rice for me, I'll, I'll... James, the first name on the team sheet for England. Um, yeah, look, Phillips in the in the last tournament was absolutely fantastic. So, n- knowing what Gareth Southgate's like, he likes certain players. So, it wouldn't surprise me if Phillips started. But I just you've got to start Bellingham. He's just yeah. been so good for Dortmund. Like if he doesn't start, he probably won't. Let's be honest. It's, it, yeah, but it's so frustrating because he's got so much quality. I think he's our best midfielder. Like, I know Rice, obviously, is more defensive, but, like, someone who will make the game tick, I just think Bellingham has got that uh, extra quality. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd be starting Bellingham. He's young. But I think I think if you've got someone like Rice mm. in there, though, and then if you add... I mean, Phillips and Rice did really well at the Euros, didn't they? But I feel like if you've got Bellingham in there, then you kind of add a bit more of a balance to that midfield and sort of going forward, you know, 
when uh, Bellingham's pushing forward, Rice can drop deep and, and sit in between the centre halves and stuff like that. Um, I'd like to see, sorry to quickly butt in, but like, I actually wouldn't mind seeing like a Rice and Phillips kind of sitting and then having Bellingham further forward because if Mason, Mount, if Mason Mount starts first game, I'm turning the TV off. <laughs> I don't think he's been that good, has he? Um, what do you What do you reckon then, Ewan? Who Who'd you go with your, I guess, the two sitting or, or maybe the two number eights? Um, I think we're pretty much in, in, um, in agreement that Rice is the six and then Bellingham slightly more advanced as the eight is the, I think to, to every fan is the, the straightforward option. But saying that, I think you're right, Southgate won't do that. But every fan wants to see it and I think that's what I'd go with. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then who are we going in, say, the number 10, uh, Michael? Yeah, uh, I'll stick with, stick with Foden. I, I, obviously, he can play out wide, but uh, I've got other people lined up for those positions. Yeah, okay. Interesting. He's not really played there that often. He played all his youth football there, but he's not really um, had too much of a chance. Played a couple of games for City um, in midfield, and he's done pretty well, but he just doesn't have that sort of David Silva Kevin De Bruyne type ability, Yukai Gundogan to sort of control the play. Um, what do you reckon, Gareth? Yeah, obviously I, me- I mentioned just then if if we kind of did something different, um, I don't think it will happen. So it'll be you know what it will be Phillips or Bellingham. The person in the- I, I want to see Foden. I want Foden as our number ten because I think he's got so much quality. Really, the only the only, <laughs> the only real other option is is to have Mason Mount or you know I don't think Madison. He's more kind of a wide player. Yep. I think he'll end up putting Mount, which is going to infuriate me because I think he's been woeful this season. Um, if, if I'm choosing personally, I, I'd have Foden in the 10 role, same as uh, Michael. Do you think uh, Southgate's too loyal to some of these players um, from the previous tournaments? Yes. Certainly. Um, and, you know, don't get me wrong, he does have quality, Mason Mount, and I think his work rate is, is fantastic, but I don't know, there's just something about him that just I just don't like. Yep, no, definitely. I mean, I think he's a good player, but he's definitely not been perhaps the same player he was last season, um, maybe the season before as well. What do you reckon, Ewan? Yeah, I, I share the same thoughts on Mason Mount. I really do not see it. I thought he was poor at the Euros. He obviously had a decent season building up to that. This season, he's been quite poor as well. I actually wouldn't mind seeing them play Madison in that 10 role. I used to not really be a fan of him, but what he's done this season, he's sort of exiled for off-field incidents with England. But now that he's back in now, especially against the weaker teams, I think he could be the key to unlock some of those games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, oh, be interesting to see if he starts. Obviously, had that, that scare the other day as well. Um, I don't think he'll be playing too much. Probably, probably a bit like... Um, couple of the other players in the squad but he definitely should should be an option off the bench um but yeah if it was me i'd probably be going foden as well so i think if, if england can get the play through him and say bellingham then they're going to look really dangerous going forward um gareth who are you going on the wing left wing um i know he's not been great for chelsea but it's another player he frustrates me a lot when he plays for england but he's put in some really good performances for us i think he probably deserves to start so i'm going to say Sterling on the left for me. Okay, yeah. I think he's been, and it's not because he just left City, because I, I do appreciate what he did, but I think he's been pretty average at Chelsea, but that's for a variety of reasons. Manager's left, um, scattergun approach. You know, I think he played at wing back one game, which definitely isn't his, his strength. 
And I think he's played up front as well, which, he, again, he struggled previously. Um, and then, Michael, who would you be playing on the left? Would you go going Sterling? Yeah, yeah, I got the exact same player in there. Um, I think Raheem, even though he hasn't hit the ground at Chelsea, he's definitely got something to prove. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, if, you, if you're putting Foden in the 10, then, yeah, you just don't really have that many options. Jaden Sancho's not there as well. Uh, what do you reckon, Ewan? Yeah, well, I'm actually different to the three. I would have had Foden on the left. But if he's playing in the 10, you can't ignore what Sterling's done or you go for Rashford. I mean, Rashford's had a good season. I, mean, I know he's been predominantly probably playing up front, but I like him in that left left side of role. So, but saying that, Sterling edges it based off what he's done previously. Yeah, just, I think. Um, I think he, he's a bit like Maguire and Shaw and probably Pickford. Like He doesn't really... He does have his moments, but he usually does sort of perform for England. Probably one of the better players at the Euros after um, a pretty average season as well. Um, not going to bother talking about the striker. Harry Kane, I'm sure, is probably the one starting up front. Um, what about right wing then? I'm going Bukayo Saka. Yeah. Um, I'll start with you, Michael. Yeah, no, the, he, he was definitely mine. I, he, he, the form he's at, in, at Arsenal, uh, there's, and there's no reason why a Southgate should have removed him um, and stop him playing forward, just put him out on the pitch and let him do his thing. Yep, definitely, definitely. So, and uh, Gareth, go on the same? Yeah, Bakaya Saka, and obviously, yeah, Harry Kane. But interesting with um, the other striking option, Callum Wilson, I'm shocked that he was picked over either Tony. Um, also, like looking at oh, Harry Kane, yeah. God forbid if Harry Kane gets injured, but I can see it if he got injured and then you've got to rely on Callum Wilson, who could quite easily strain a hamstring stretching for a tea bag. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just don't, I don't get that pick. And Tony's been very, very decent this season. So, yeah, I think great to see him scoring those two goals even against City. And I think it just goes to show he should have been on the plane and Callum Wilson getting the bit. Yeah, I mean, I knew as soon as Ivan Tony wasn't picked for the squad, he, he was going to have an absolute belter against City, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, l- just looking at it, I haven't seen a hot. I don't watch too much of Brentford, but like he dominated City's defenders in the air. He was dangerous. We couldn't handle him. Like it was, it was so difficult to handle him. Um, such a good player. I think he obviously is not on Harry Kane's level, but like you say, in terms of a backup, he's probably no no better option there. I think. Callum Wilson, I don't know, he's a bit full of himself for me. Um, you know, we've spoken about this before on the pod. I, I just think Tony offers a little bit more. He can hold the ball up. He can go at defenders. He can win it in the air. He's a good finisher. I just think, you know, he's, he'd be a much better option. And yeah, like you say, if soon as, um, you know, Harry Kane gets injured, if he does with those ankles, you know, you've got Callum Wilson made a glass, a bit like Thiago Haymichael. Um, and then, you know, the only other option is Marcus Rashford. But can you be relying on him in the big games? I don't know. Um, what do you reckon, Ewan, for right wing? Yeah, uh, right mid, I think Saka is not an argument, is it? He's, he's the best option. And going back to that striker situation, I, I agree with Callum Wilson. He's, I don't think he's really England quality. But if Kane did get injured, I thankfully, I don't think we would see him. I think that they, he would just go Rashford up front and then you bring in one of those wide players, i.e. a Grealish, or you push Foden out there, or you... There's a few. There's a few more options out on the wings than there is up front. So I think if Kane, if the worst did happen and Kane got injured, I think Rashford would go up top. You wouldn't have to deal yeah. with Kane. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, we'll just quickly, I'll get it up on the screen in a second. We'll do our England eleven, and then what we'll do is, I think you and you've got to leave pretty soon, hey? So we'll get yeah, your, your twenty minutes probably. 
20 minutes. Okay, we shouldn't be too much longer. So what we'll do after this is we'll go into the uh, some of our predictions, Golden Boot, um, and the rest of them we can wrap things up. So just give me two secs, get the screen up. All right. So let's have a look. Okie dokie. So this is our England 11. So we've got Sterling, Kane, Saka, Foden, Rice, Bellingham, Shaw, Maguire, Stones, Walker, and uh, Pickford as well. So on paper, that's a pretty decent decent side. I think, you know, if you utilize the strengths of, of the attacking players, um, any questions of the defense aren't going to be too much of a problem. I think, yeah, Stones and Maguire is a solid partnership. They've done it before. Um, Walker's probably a bit more of a question with his fitness, but you've got Trippier there as well. And Shaw, you know, Shawberto Carlos, as Gareth called him there. So, yeah, not decent lineup there. Um, all right, so let's just quickly move on. We'll, we'll wrap up the show with uh, basically just our prediction. So what we'll do is we'll start with our winner um, and then we'll go Golden Boot, play to watch, surprise package, um, and then we'll just finish up from there. So, uh, Ewan, I'm going to quickly ask you, who's your winner for the tournament? Well, I'm denied a bit about this. Yeah, I'm denied a, a bit, but I'm actually, despite the injuries, I'm going to stick with France. I know teams don't often win it back to back. I don't know if any team ever has, but um, yeah, I just think the squad's not as good as it can be. But the strength and depth, I think, you look at their attacking options with Mbappe and Benzema. It's probably two of the best free players in the world currently, arguably. Yeah. I think if they click, it's just nightmare stuff for defenders, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I'm going to back France in. Okay, France. Uh... Garethan? Um, I'm going to go Brazil. Um, I just think they look like a quality outfit. Um, they've got experience at the back and where it's needed. Allison's in good form. If anything goes to penalties, I, you know, he's an absolute monster. I wouldn't want to come up against him, similar to like what England had when we had Italy against Donnarumma. So, yeah, Brazil, Brazil's my tip. But I do agree, France, if they turn it on with their front three could be dangerous and then you've got the whole messy thing as well everyone's thinking oh this is going to be his time to win it but it would be interesting to say if England weren't going to make the final imagine like a Brazil Argentina final that would be going off in South America oh, nuts absolutely nuts uh Michael who's your pick yeah um I have to go with Brazil as well and I just just same thing I think the South American teams are going to have a good showing this time around uh I think there's I don't know, there's something about the European teams is not sitting right with me. Um, and I think Brazil will get to the final quite comfortably. Yeah, I'm going Brazil as well. Um, most successful team in the competition's history, I believe. Um, I just think, you know, they've got a really good squad, lots of good attacking options, decent midfield defence. You know, they've kind of got it all. France, like you say, you would be a good, good shout. Um, even with the injuries, obviously being there before, quite a solid unit. Benzema's come back into the fold as well. Um, I suppose that would probably just lean into the next one, Golden Boot, because I'm gonna. I don't know if it's left field so much. He just won the Ballon d'Or, but I'm gonna go Benzema because I reckon you know he's gonna be really hungry. Um, you know, I don't think he's been in the international scene for for quite a while now, um, and I think you know he'll he'll probably score quite a few goals. He'll be taking the penalties for France. Obviously, Mbappe in the same side, but. You know, he's a really dangerous player. So what do you reckon, Gareth? I'm sticking with Harry Kane. I just look at our group and the fact that, again, you say players who take penalties. Um, he's done it before. So, yeah, for me, Harry Kane, it's my pick. 
Benzema's going to score a triple hat trick against Australia, though. Surely that defence. <laughs> um, yeah. Ewan. Oh, sorry, mate. Um, yeah, I'm the same. I, I, I can't look past Harry Kane. Um, his record for England's exceptional. Takes penalties, but I think I was looking at the list. A bit of a left field one for me would be uh, Memphis Depay. The group yeah. that the Netherlands have got is not the strongest, and if they top that group they're playing the runner-up of England's group. And assuming England win it, it's again a team that on paper is not great. So I think if you were looking for a for a value-type pick, it would be the pie for me. Okay, that's an interesting one. Probably pretty reliant, um, the Netherlands, on him as well for goals. Uh, Michael, who do you recommend? Yeah, I'll go back to Harry Kane. Uh, I think he'll, he'll bang in a lot of goals in the group. Uh, when they get out of the group, um, yeah, take the pens. He'll still... Getting them ticking over. Yep, no, definitely. Good shout, good shout. Um, and then player to watch, Gareth. Uh, there's a few interesting ones. I'm interested to see, um, like I said, Benzema's probably one of my ones. Um, for me, maybe not for the right reasons, but I'm still going to be interested in see how Ronaldo goes. Maybe not left field that one, but just given his form, lack of playing time, the whole situation, um, what do you reckon? Yeah, um I think you guys really should know who's going to be my player to watch. And, and even when we were just doing our England team there, I'm looking at going, oh my God, if only this number 10 decided to stay playing for England. Um, Jamal Musiala, who 19 years of age, I think he is now, who I watched a bit of the Bundesliga um, and he is just absolutely quality. Um, I know we say like, Phil Foden for England is is an amazing talent, but I actually think Musiala is is a next level up already. Um, so I'm I'm predicting big things for him. Um, so let's hope it's not like my prediction of Fulham one Liverpool six at the start of the season. But <laughs> he, he's he's my player to watch purely because I I don't think a lot of people will know too much about him, even though they obviously should with how how well he's done for Bayern Munich. Yeah, you can uh, check out our TikTok for Gareth's prediction for the first game of the season, Liverpool versus Fulham. Um, you know, lots of views there, most view video. Uh, Ewan? Uh, one that I'm going for, I think uh, a lot of diehard fans will know who he is, but I think casual fans won't know who he is, and that's Rafael Leal from Portugal. Yes. Yep. The winger for AC Milan, I think. I hope that the Ronaldo situation doesn't affect them and he gets his opportunity to really shine because I think he's the type of player that, as I said, casual fans won't know he is now, but if he shows what he can do, they'll definitely know he is by the end of the tournament. Yeah, exceptional player. Michael's been telling me all about him for his uh, for his ultimate team. Um, yeah, lazy uh, player of the month for AC Milan in the Serie A, but uh, no, nah, he... He definitely has a point to prove. Um, I'm going to go back to the England squad um, and highlight Bellingham. I think uh, his age, um, really his first major tournament, um, if he does well, I I think that's a big, big catalyst for England to again reach the final, um, even kick on. Yeah, definitely. And I reckon a good World Cup for him. It's going to only drive up that price tag and that bargaining position for uh, Dortmund as well. It's going to make City have to fork out some more chump change, you know, maybe 200. Uh, ah, really kidding. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, plenty of players, I'm sure. There's there's always going to be that one player 
who comes out of nowhere like James Rodriguez did the other year um, and just sort of, you know, go for some silly transfer fee. I think Golovin did the same thing for uh, Monaco a couple of years ago. It's always going to be that one player who I definitely don't think we'll expect, but it'd be interesting. Gareth's shout for Musiala is an interesting one. Um, such a such a good player. He'd be getting in that England side quite comfortably right now as well. So a bit of a shame on on um, on that end as well. So uh, I'm going to go surprise package, not player, but um, team. So I'll start with you, Gareth. Uh, yeah, uh, Denmark for me, I, I don't really know. I, I say a surprise package, but they seem to always do fairly well in major tournaments. Um, but just looking at how well they did in, um, in in qualifying, for me, I think they could be a surprise package as they have been on previous occasions. Yeah, that's an interesting one for sure. Um, my, I'll go Michael. Who's your surprise package? Let's have a look at the group. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know whether they're going to be more of a surprise like to actually get somewhere, but I think they'll do better than what others think. I think Uruguay, I know they usually typically do good with Cavani and the like, um, but I think that new breed of talent coming through, that next generation, they will get out of the group and they might even go past another round of the knockouts. Yep, yeah, um, good point, good point. And Ewan? Uh, this is a controversial one. I'm actually going the other way for surprise for being good. Surprise for underachieving, which I know you're all not going to agree with based on your last prediction, is for Brazil will get no further than the quarterfinals. Oof. My surprise. I just worry. Everyone's looking at their squad and they're going, oh, how good's this squad? I look at their squad and think, when the chips are down, who's going to be the one to really grab a game by the scruff of the neck and change it? I don't see someone there. I, I don't buy this squad that they've got. They've not done very well in recent tournaments. So, yeah, controversial, but... Well, you know what? Must, it must be a Crawley thing to uh, see into the future because um, I remember Gareth saying at the start of the season, a disappointing team was um, was going to be... Oh, who was it? Liverpool, that's right. Um, and then Michael and I, I was like, oh, Liverpool's going to win the league. City's not going to win three in a row. Um, you know, pessimism for Sarah said he's finest and then obviously michael's you know one-eyed liverpool fan with his with his red glasses on um he he picked liverpool as well and and look what's happened so uh you know the crawlies are definitely got a got a thing for seeing in the future so that's an interesting one i mean obviously maybe just with the expectation that that's where i could see them maybe falling down but i think they'll probably have too much um so yeah i think that was everyone so i was going to say dark horse but maybe we'll leave that one there but I, th- I think we'll wrap it up there boys so looking forward to the world cup seeing how it's going to play out obviously um and you know obviously it'd be good just when the premier league's back it's going to be interesting to see which teams affected the most whether it's because of their players going so far in the tournament um and things like that is there anything else you want to add anyone want to add anything just quickly before we wrap it up yeah um so michael i, I did mention oh Mike, sorry, should I say, I mentioned to you the other day, I got a message about the uh, Fantasy League from someone I know. Oh, yeah, that's right. So uh, I believe, again, the Crawleys are dominating this show. They're taking over the Crawley army. Um, so for those who, who aren't a part of it already, we do have quite a few people in there, actually. We've got a, uh, a Fantasy League, and I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Gareth, but Big Nigel Crawley, he's climbed right up to the top of the Fantasy table. So I think he's pretty chuffed with himself, eh? <laughs> Well, you and probably able to tell you more. He messaged me, so he's probably happy. But I, I reckon he's probably gone on about a bit at home. What do you reckon, you and has he said anything? 
Uh, well, I was in Melbourne with him on the weekend, and on Sunday morning, the first thing he said was, "I'm top of the Perth Della Prem fantasy league." So that probably tells you <laughs> what you need to know. Perth Della Prem's number one fan, Nigel Crawley, um, the king of uh, bump and run golf as well at at Sun City at Yanship. So uh, you know he's doing well for himself, big Nigel. Big shout out. I'm sure he's listening. You know. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, anything else, boys? Are we good? No, we're good, mate. It's been a long one. Thanks for uh, everyone who's who's listened out, who's uh, given us some comments. Always good, you know. First time we did a live stream there, and it's nice to be able to interact with people. And I think um, I think the person on screen now might be one of my students, so I might just take that one off the one off the screen. But uh, anyways, yeah. So uh, thanks for listening to the Perth Della Prem podcast. I think we'll we'll probably continue through the World Cup, and we'll just have a look and see how it's going and, and give our thoughts on that. Um, if you'd like to listen to this as a podcast form, if you did miss it, um, then you can listen to it on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Podbean, Acast, and Google Pod- – oh, sorry, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also check out all of our social media in the one place on Linktree. So we've got linktr.ee forward slash Perth Um and then if you also think this absolute nonsense that we spoke for the last hour and a bit um, is worth a dollar a month, you can check out the Patreon link in our episode description. Uh, it really just helps us, you know, Michael, he needs he needs a mic. Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard he's hissing snake all the time. Gareth's a bit echoey there. Maybe it's the baby in the background and uh, Ewan's just, he's just joining the squad. So um, thanks again for listening to the Perth Dental Program podcast podcast and we'll probably be back next week or the week after with another podcast and we'll see how the world cup is shaping up good evening What the fuck?